0: Hi guys and welcome to this edition of How To Wow starring my mate James Martin and brought to you by M&S Plant Kitchen. M&S Plant Kitchen launched in 2019 when their first vegan-friendly range took the meat-free world by storm. Exactly. And now, my friends, there are 100 plant kitchen products to choose from, which is excellent news for my family. As back in March, my wife, Tequila Tash, and I decided to go all in plant-based. We were in Los Angeles running our very own made-up marathon as we were due to run the Tokyo marathon, which was cancelled due to, well, you know what. But we'd done the training, I'd booked the time off work, and we had arranged, we had arranged extensive international child care. You see, the thing is, eating plant-based in California has traditionally been much more of a thing than here in the UK. But that's all changing and changing at a pace. Da, da da introducing the MS Plant Kitchen. No chicken nuggets. They look like chicken. They smell like chicken. They're finger licking like chicken and they taste like chicken. At least as far as I can remember. It's been a while. But hey, don't take my word for it. Cut to my second eldest son, Eli, in the Evans Plant Kitchen. Eli, what's going on with the no chicken nuggets? Oh, they look like chicken. They smell like chicken. And they taste like chicken. Oh, they must be chicken. Oh, no, they're not chicken. Told ya. And he's had actual chicken a lot more recently than me. But that story's for another day. Sticking with the no chuck chuck chicken now, there's also the delicious, and I mean, mouth-meltingly delicious, no chicken Kiev. MS Plant Kitchen's most successful vegan launch ever, with one being sold every four minutes. There's probably one outside your window right now. Take a look. Largely because of their indulgent garlic filling waiting to explode in your mouth underneath that coating of crunchy golden breadcrumbs. I want one now. And then there's the kiddies' favourite, Plant Kitchen Cauliflower Popcorn, which we paid our kids in to do this. Plant Kitchen! Plant Kitchen! kitchen. I think it could be a hit. Other scrummy treats include PK Posh Hot Dogs, PK Green Thai Curry and the to-die-for PK Coleslaw Salad, the first ever vegan coleslaw to hit supermarket shelves in the UK. Wow. Talking of wow, it's time now to how to wow. Thank you, MNS Plant Kitchen, for helping make this show
1: happen. James, where are we now? Where are we? Uh, yeah. We're actually—I think this is a snooker table. I'm not quite sure. Not, not the room, the place. All right, all right. This is—we're well, <laughs> at the library, at shooting Glen. Yeah, and why is shooting Glen important to you? Shooting uh, Glen's important to me because I—well, I came here when I was first uh, as a young kid. Um, having worked in London and 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 ended up with absolutely... I had no money when I went to London. I had even less when I left, <laughs> London, left London. I think I was nine grand in debt, uh, which back then was an awful, awful lot of money. And uh, my mother used to send me food vouchers. So I, I applied to several jobs. Gidley Park was one of them uh, with a guy called Sean Hill. Uh, Glen Eagles was another one. And then here. And uh, Glen Eagles wrote back to me and said, sorry, we're, we haven't got a position, but we have in a couple of months' time. Uh, sean hill wrote back to me and i've still got the, the the actual letter in the toilet um framed from it. sean <laughs> you seen it <laughs> yeah uh, saying thanks but no thanks um because i worked with some 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 certain places in london which were which were quite hard work in terms of uh for, for brutal yeah a bit like that you can say that um but then i then i got the i got a phone call said look we'll come down for an interview, and. Um, that was it. I kind of, I drove down here and I came for the interview but i would be honest with you, Chris, I didn't have enough money to get back so I literally packed my little Vauxhall Nova with a boot on the back, um, packed it full of clothes, full of uh, chef's jackets and knives and, and, and I knew that I was either going to work here or somewhere because I didn't have enough, didn't have really enough money to go back to Yorkshire. So you were properly, genuinely skint? Yeah, I mean properly skint. Um, I didn't have credit cards, I didn't have, uh, yeah, I was, uh, was skint. I, I went, I went to London with 50 quid in my pocket and a dream and I came out of there 4 years later uh, having gone through a dream nightmare uh, surreal experience but armed with an experience that you can't take that away um and then that experience and that dedication at the time got me this job there's no question it got me this got me the opportunity to be be able to come here because they just lost its mission in start it was it was that time they were re-bulking up the kitchen. I was a young kid. I, I was I was twenty years old, you know. I was I was pastry chef at twenty years old of a of a kitchen of predominantly ninety five percent French at the time, uh, and the pastry nine of which were French, um, and I was the English guy, and I was the youngest. Can you imagine walking into that lot? Yeah, uh, with the bakers as well, and everything. You know, we had fire four 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 bakers as well. It was the most surreal time, but an amazing time. You know, um, the Scans had it back then. Um, and it was it was really that, that and Gidley Park were the, one of the old school places, a bit like, you know, the, the capital was back then. And, you know, the iconic places back in the late 80s, early 90s.
0: But how can you work for four years in London, be really good, good enough to get this job and look how good you are nowadays, and, and still be nine grand in debt? I mean, how how...
1: How sort of um, how ungrateful <laughs> was no, the restaurant cause industry? It was, no, because the restaurant industry was like that. You know, and people say, "Well, why do you love pastry?" Genuinely, the reason why I like pastry was the fact my first ever day at work working for Anthony Royal Thompson, I wasn't. A, he had two restaurants. Did Anthony One ninety Queensgate, which was a really really busy brasserie. I, I remember looking at the computers; they were doing thirty grand a night in the bar. This is way back, and and this was, I mean, seriously seriously popular. Queue Shirley Bassey was in the queue outside. Everybody and anybody queued. Anybody and everybody queued. They had to get in. And then downstairs, you had the Restauranteurs Association of Great Britain, which was run by Roy Ackerman and and, uh, and Anthony. And I was put downstairs in the pastry section to do the pastry for both that restaurant and upstairs. And uh, the pastry chef at the time, there was only two of us in the pastry, the pastry chef at the time, this was day one, 7 a.m. in the morning. I walked in the kitchen, met him at 9.30. He said, I'm just going to the toilet, and I never saw him again. And at 9.35, I was pastry chef. What happened to him? I, was, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Did you check the toilet? <laughs> I, I was still in there. You used to quite a lot, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I, you, I, to, to, I you imagine. I used to say, there was a running commentary, I'm going to the toilet. You used to generally check to see if their knives were still there. Really? Because you knew if the knives had gone, after they said, I'm going to the toilet, you'd never see them again. And presumably, they were, they'd have to run away to another job, not dissimilar. They just couldn't stand you, the current place they were in. Yeah, it was London. So London at that time... There was there was restaurants. What year was this, James? Uh, uh, 1990. Uh, no, 1990. 1990. So it was just about to. Like, to 88, play. 88, 90, yeah. Right. Yeah, so it was the days of Harvey's. Uh, St. John's were not quite open yet. They had Stephen Bull there, Alistair Little, 5th Street. I ended up working there. Um, you had those, uh, uh, Nicola Dennis on Park Lane. Pierre Coffin was at Tonclair. Those ones there wasn't there wasn't the selection of restaurants that there is now. So if you had to work in a certain group of restaurants, there was probably a dozen. But they were beginning to to, to spread. Oh yeah, you could you could feel that the vibe that was going, and you know I, all that I'd worked in France before then, and you could you could you could t- well the French were very anti. Uh, British food anyway, but now the rules have completely changed, reversed massively in the last sort of two decades. But back then, I remember coming from work experience when I was a young kid, way before that, age 12, working at places like the Hotel de Plaisance in London, in in saint imme a two-star Michelin restaurant. I was only 12 at the time. And working with those sort of chefs there it just gave me the ethos and gave me the, the spur to sort of do it as a career. And, and I knew that I had to go down to London to achieve that. So, so Anthony and Brian judged my end of year exam at Catering College. Um, and they all offered me a job. All the guys that were there, Alistair Little, offered me a job. And there were all the people, David Doriacott at the Park Lane, uh, he offered me a job. And I spoke to my tutor and I said, which one should I go for? I said, well, Anthony, because it's, 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 it's really busy. It's a busy vibe. And you'll be put into the lion's den yeah and i was you were in the
0: Lion's den i was proper in the lines how many den. lines Dens have you been in uh, about four okay and uh, what was the legend of marco Pierre white like around that time
1: um i would mean, say it sounds ridiculous but but godlike in terms of when you're a young kid you know you're you're a young sixteen seventeen year old um with with a, with a dream and that dream is 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 only got there through. It's no other job, really. It's kind of weird. You don't get there through paperwork. There's no interview. I've never once had an interview where somebody's looked at my CV. Not once. It's always where you're working. Then a phone call was made. Yes, you're in. You no, you're not. It's that kind of that kind of that kind of brutal mentality. Not as if. And I can't tell you the the interview technique that was involved, but. <laughs> but You've told me it was pretty surreal. Yeah, you just can't sit on the no, it was in front sur- of a microphone. It can was you? pretty surreal. Um, I mean,
0: you know, a lot of <laughs> lots of what's gone on in your industry, you know, would wouldn't I mean wouldn't be allowed today, would it? Even within your lifetime, no. no. You know, and like hours and no. all the stuff that everybody can imagine if they don't know already, you know. Um, and I mean, you know, rights or. Was it just a, everybody said no? If this is the business you're in, these are
1: the rules we play because that by. That was that was the. There was no rules at the time. There was no rules and regulations. To to an extent, there is now. But you you get what you put in in life. You know, I, I I've currently just come off 115 hour weeks. I, I'm not I'm not contracted to do it. I do it because I love it. And it needs to be done. Well, to keep the ship afloat. If you don't lead from the front. Then how can you tell others to follow? Yeah, yeah. How can you turn around and say, "Can you do this? Can you do that?" If if you're just going to just do that and then go home. So why why have you been be working 115 hours a week? I know, but just tell we've people we've reopened. We, you know, reopening a, you know, the hospitality industry has gone through a tremendous amount in the last six, six, eight, 12 months. Uh, particularly with Brexit, started with that, but then it's got worse, and then with currently what we're going through at the moment. But it's um, to be able to to be able to do this job, I see as the best job I've ever had in my life. You know, I do it for the for the love of it. And what comes afterwards is irrelevant. It, it kind of, it, it, I the fundamental is that I put the chef jacket on when I was a young kid, and I picked up a pan when I was a young kid, and I fall in love with it, and I still love it to this day. And uh, to 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 be told not to be not to be allowed to do it was a was a was a massive thing. Uh, not just physically but mentally for for chefs myself for teams and, and front of house back of house when you're running a restaurant and you're going 100 miles an hour then when i remember boris standing up and saying don't go to pubs bars clubs and restaurants we had 100,000 people as in individual people cancel on us within 24 hours literally overnight who who did uh, people uh, joe blogs they said boris johnson said the industry yeah don't know I had crossed my. Oh, that's what, cross I'm, that's my business, what I'm asking. So, crossed my business, it went
0: bang. Hundred You had a hundred thousand cancellations.
1: We we were sat there. We were sat there that night. And wow. I sat there with my team, going, right. What happens now then? Because there was no furlough. There was no. You've got to close. Nothing. It was, don't go, and don't literally don't go. So people didn't go, and they were phoning up. You you honestly have hundred thousand? We had a hundred thousand bums on seats cancelled. Wow. So what did you do? We just sat there, just going. What do we do? Exactly. <laughs> I'm talking to you now. Go. What do you do? What do you do? So what happened? So we, so we looked at it and go. How maybe we can adapt and we can change. But then he said, "Don't go." So we go. Right. Uh, right. What do we do? Um, do you think, well, I'd, then, 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 sort of. This is where the industry becomes magical uh, when you work with a group of people like that, grafters, who were, uh, who are uh, artists who are all manner of difference far people cleverer than me as well who I employ they they then get their brains working and what do you do and how can we how can we go through this and how can we adapt and change and then obviously then the closure hit and then they decided that can we do this can we do that can we do this and then this is my team said look to keep keep us sane and keep you busy because you're you're doing 100 miles an hour to keep you busy what my chef said well we'll get all the equipment out of the restaurant for you and we'll bring it all to your home you've been to my house and been to my garage so I had all the pasta machines I had everything at home so I could practice they organized all the suppliers they got all the suppliers to redirect for me if I needed it and I was on my own and I literally cooked on my own and I and I started off I think the first thing we're short of was pasta you know that they did that big thing in in the supermarkets there was a there was an amazing thing There's a there's a a lady online and i remember seeing it in local news up in up in manchester and she works for she, she was in a care home and she was in tears that she couldn't get any food as in the chefs couldn't get the food and i said to my team this is what we need to be looking at this is what we need to do and not not as in do it to make money this is we need to help these people this is this is the way this is what we need to do so uh, I set about my team and my core team, and I said, "Look, right, you you look at everybody that needs the help that end. I look at everybody that needs the help my end." And so we set about helping people who worked in care homes, trying to get food for pensioners and and people who were in care homes. We we then, I gave a lot of food for free, but we worked with a company called Wellox who who again lost their business literally overnight. So then we phoned them up and said, Look, can you go into this sort of home delivery service? And this, you know, they're trying to, they've gone from a commercial business supplying restaurants to then suddenly shifting almost within a week and marrying what a supermarket does, which is totally different style of business, totally different setup in every single way forward. But they adapted and changed and did that within probably, I say, within 14 days. We had fish suppliers, we had meat suppliers, we had dairy stuff. These people would access, you know, Tremendous amount of food, so then uh, me, what that we sorted that out. And we were sending, sending, uh, you know, not just not just boxes of food, but pallets of stuff. I mean, literally pallets of stuff to these places in need all over the place. So it's a different kind of cooking too. Yeah, you, but you um, were you you were mentally you were stimulated by it. Yeah. But also, what I did was I found out that you know the people in our village, you know, couldn't get out because we weren't allowed out. So I thought, well, I'll do the pasta. I started off doing thirty kilos of pasta in a pasta machine. That went in a morning, and the second, loved it. And the, yeah. second, the second, I was boxing it all up. And the second yeah. day, what spurred me on? There was a wonderful, wonderful old lady and gentleman, they, and I could see them on the security camera in the, outside the gate. And I had the pasta in in a little tray with a hand sanitizer for everything. And they came along, and, and people were very respectful. They'd just take one bag, and families were coming along on their bikes and taking one or two bags for their family, and it was brilliant. Didn't ask for it; it was just all free. Go take it. And then this wonderful couple, and I was watching it on the security camera, and they they came along, and they looked at it. They read the little note, and they put a little card in there. They'd handwritten me a little note. And out of this carrier bag, he'd grown some rhubarb, 12 sticks of rhubarb. And it was almost that, I'll swap you 12 sticks of rhubarb for some pasta and some eggs. So they took their eggs and they took their pasta. And the following day, I'd made that rhubarb into a chutney and put it back out. Of course, really. you did. But that's <laughs> great. But do no. you know what I mean? Isn't that? And, it, 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 and it, it, focus your attention story. and focus your mind to something, something what you do. Your, your job is a caring job. Your, your hospitality is to look after people. You're in service, it's to look after people. Yeah. Whether you're front of house, back of house, whether you're pot wash, anything. Everybody's a team. I have no, I have no names on my chef jackets. Everybody's a team. And you know, we found that when we reopened up like that, you know, I was—it was my birthday four days before we opened, and I—I I had all the chefs out there. We paint. We're painting the entire restaurant, and because the painters were so busy here at the hotel trying to re-fire up, the, I said, "Give me the paint. We'll do it. <laughs> Give me it." <laughs> so we painted it. We took the entire. They've got these electric buggies that take the I know, take the food. Golf buggies, yeah. I took the entire golf buggy to bits. We washed it, put it put. All the, all the outside stuff through the wash and polished it all and put it all back together again as so a team. W- what was the first chink of light that you saw then? Fourth um, of July. Fourth of July, I'll be honest with you, because we didn't know when, when they announced we could open. And, and bear in mind, we could open. I, I've still got a restaurant that's about to open and it's taken this long to sort out the logistics of opening. So we've got the next one opening on, uh, on Tuesday next week. Um, but it's taken three, four months to get to that stage. But 4th of July, I got a phone call saying, look, we're going to open this place. We want you to redo everything from scratch. Um, it used to be tapas and that kind of stuff. And I said, well, great. Let's... We took the menu, and I remember taking it to the kitchen, all the front of house team, back of house team, and I ripped the menu up in front of everybody and threw it on the floor. And I said, right, this is where we start from a scratch. Now, give me your ideas, everybody. Because I've got ideas, but I need all yours. Because this is a whole new ball game, um, I'm getting rid of all the tapas because it's too many visits to the table for the waiters. We do this, we do that, we we'll do this, whatever whatever you think what works will work. So myself and the the kitchen team agreed that we would do fish, predominantly fish restaurant because that was another way we'd helped out people in the past through this online thing that we've been doing. Um, a friend of mine is throwing away twenty thousand kilos of mussels a week, and it sort of snowballed and. Uh, so I said we'd use the the, the fish, and uh, we're now eighty five percent fish in the restaurant. Uh, it's flying out, and and it, it's it's been great. It's been a great great. It's been a. It's not been a godsend. It's. It's been it, gross. It's made me fall in love with my job again. Yeah, it sounds really weird. No, it doesn't, because a lot of people have re-engaged with their passions. Because when you when you when you do your job and you you you're taken out of that circle for no no fault of your own because you go chasing other things or people tell you to do other things. And I was, you know, I was, I was sent, you know, you know, at one point when I was working for television, I was doing every single day of the week. It was ridiculous, and I was trying to do everything, and then to stop, and to actually fall in love with a job that put your put you where you are now. Yeah. I love it. I absolutely love it. And it's really weird. I was cooking service today for lunch and and people are they walk in and surprised and shocked to see me. I said, well, What else do you think I'm supposed to be doing? <laughs> it's great. <quite, isn't> it? <laughs> like, are you loving it? But it's great. Because I said uh, the younger generation now, we got a, uh, you know, a little sixteen year old girl, Josie, she's part time at part time at college now. Um, you know, the younger team are behind me. And I said, look, you know, I want you to be here. This is the whole point about this is in 20, 30 years time, I want to be covered in, and I would go. No, oh, look, it's yeah, do you remember 2020? The guy that I trained. oh, yeah. the guy that I trained, or whatever it is. That's what I want. That's yeah. you know, the biggest enjoyment for me is is seeing the younger generation thrive through through this. So, so obviously, this is called how to wow,
0: and then we say how to wow, and um, and with you, it be how to wow, and I already now know it's you know how, how to to keep on, how to keep calm and carry on, or how to keep on keeping on. But this is just—it was to be honest. That's what I was going to call it anyway, for your episode, because this has always been your calling card, you know. So that those four years in London, you know, um, arriving with fifty quid, leaving with a nine grand debt, turning up here, whatever—you were never going to call it a day, were you?
1: No, no. I remember, I remember being here, and I remember on my, what was I? 20, I was twenty-one years old when I was here for my twenty-first birthday. I came in for we we had a meal, and literally, I posted a picture on social media. We were out, outside there. And uh, my mum turned around and said, I'm glad I stuck by it because you you went through hell in London. I went, I'm not finished yet. This is just the very beginning. But I I, I tell you what, mum, one one day I'm going to arrive in a helicopter here and I'm going to take you out for dinner. One day. (laughs) When was that? When did it happen? Two years later. Two years later? Two years later. Woo! Two years later. All right, well, come on. That was a good two years. Give us the highlights. Ah, uh, amazing. Yeah, well, what can you say? I mean, it's doing stuff like what you've done. It's, its you know, I was brought, I was a 21-year-old chef here. We were a pastry chef here. And and Robin Hudson was in that office. Literally, from where we're speaking now, there's a there's an office where the GM sits. And I remember being called to that office. And Robin Hudson was the GM at the time. And, and Gerard Basset and, uh, was the wine sommelier. And and Pierre uh, Cheviard uh, was the head chef. And they called me into the office. And I thought, oh, I'm going to get, Booted here, and they said, "Look, we've we've got this new idea, this concept hotel." And I said, "We're we're leaving. We want you to keep that between ourselves. We're leaving. We've got this new boutique concept hotel. We'd love you to be a part of the brigade, but we'd like to be sous chef." And I remember Pierre Cheviard turned and I said, "It's a big mistake." And I went, "What, what do you mean, big mistake?" He said, "Big mistake." And typical Frenchman, stupid, big mistake, idiot. And I said, "What are you talking about?" I said, "You should be head chef, not sous chef." And and I remember we were in the kitchen, and uh, it's a true story. This we had a we had a week, so while I was working. We had a we have like a two hour break in the afternoon here. It didn't really happen in London, but it's like a holiday camp. Here. You got a break <laughs> and after you saw daylight. You breathe. And so so we had that two hour break. I stayed behind in between the services, and uh, different chefs came every day for five days, and we gave them a trolley of ingredients, and they had to cook something. These were the prospective chefs for the Hotel the Van um head chefs i was already the sous chefs they said look you james you work with them and be their commie and and we'll taste the food so they they cooked these two or three dishes and they presented it to robin and gerard and pierre in the office and i'm and i'm looking at this going i don't think this is what they want they were into it was much really fine dining it was a lot of faffing around you know half the food was thrown in the bin all the tasty bits were thrown away and uh <laughs> and then it all got a bit, fa- everything's piled up and a bit fancy, you know, a bit drizzle and, and jus and all this sort of stuff. It was all a bit odd. Um, so I, I remember on the Friday, the, the chef didn't turn up for the interview. So there's four prospective candidates. So Pierre Cheviard went, I've told them, you just cook. Just cook us something, anything you want, using that ingredients. So I went, yeah, fine. And I didn't realise at the time I was doing anything other than where you're shifting yourself. No, no, I was just cooking because I cooked from all anyway. I cooked for Pierre. I I i used to be stood there and Pierre is far away from you know 2 3 meters away and every single night for the last year and a half of working here. But he knew how I could cook. And so so I just cooked this dish and I What what did you cook? It was a it was a, a red mullet and I just cooked this little red mullet and we do a variant of it actually in the restaurant now it's a little romesco thing but I use, a, I use the bones and roast off the bones to make a sauce. It's, and then they use little fennel flowers. And it's really nice, but it's not fancy. It's just tasty, really, really tasty. So I served it. And they called me in the office and said, um, You've got the job, head chef. I was like, What does that mean? He said, Well, you've gone from nine grand to 11 grand. I went, Thanks. Is that, is that <laughs> what it was? 11 Two grand. Two grand more. 11 grand. Jeez. And I was working. And I think I worked probably about fourteen months without a day off.
0: Well, that's not enough to get a helicopter.
1: No. So so and we're still in the same two years. Yes. What happened next? So then then we opened up the hotel of van and it went mad. And it went mad for a particular reason. Because we had it was a great concept, a great hotel, uh, great people behind it, great staff behind it, great leadership behind it with Gerard and Robin. I was a young kid. I was a bandana-wearing young kid. I was never wore it as a as a as a trend it was the fact that i was too busy even to get my hair cut so i put this and it wasn't a bandana it was a tea towel and i just wrapped it around my head because they designed the ventilation too short on the the bleeding ventilation thing so I, I couldn't wear a chef's hat so i used to wear this bandana and we were working i mean we were in the hotel then so i was doing breakfast lunch afternoon tea dinner well, i didn't do afternoon tea breakfast lunch and dinner there was three of us in the kitchen i was one of the three and from day one, we were doing 60 for lunch, 80 for dinner. Every single day of the week, seven days a week. And two weeks after opening, the Rosemary West trial moved from London to the right at the back of the Hotel Levan the to the law courts where we were. And that were, we were packed for a year. And it just went absolutely insane. And because it went insane, everybody in London wanted to come down and eat there because this new trendy place. Robin was a brilliant, he's a brilliant hotelier. he put you on the cover of every magazine going and brilliant PR man. And then then this literally, uh, God's honest truth, this this is no word of a lie. It was a Thursday night. A lady called Mary Ramsey came with, uh, um, what's his name? who um, used to do MasterChef. Um, uh, uh, Lloyd Grossman. Lloyd Grossman and um, Keith Lloyd. And they were filming in the area. They wanted a table. So they knocked on the door. And next minute, the receptionist came in and said, uh, "Where we got Lloyd Grossman and Keith that they, they, They've got. They've said that they booked a table, but they haven't." I went, "We're full, full, we're full." So I went through to the reception and I said, "Look, we haven't got a table, but you can sit at the bar. I'll give you something to eat at the bar." And uh, they said, "Yeah, yeah, well, we'll have whatever you want." So I just cooked them something. I cooked them these these dishes, and uh, I went through to the end of the night, and I, and they kindly bought me a, a beer with the team. So I, anyway, I took three beers behind the bar. And the barman turned around and said, oh, we'll bill you for that. And I went, off oh. because that was the tone at the time. And and Keith Floyd raised a glass to me. And then I got this phone call about three, four months after that. And it was uh, it was this lady who phoned me up and said, look, we've got this idea of this, this cooking program, but it's in really, really early stages yet. We don't know whether it's going to work. There's a f- two, three people involved in it we'd like you possibly to be involved in it. Have you got an agent? I went, agent? I, got an, I don't even know an estate agent. Can't even hold a house. Then I was, I was living for the first eight months on the sofa in the lounge. Right. And then I moved to a, above an Indian restaurant. So my, I was above a Chinese, my lounge was above a Chinese restaurant and my bedroom was above an Indian takeaway at the bottom of Southgate Street. Still there now. And, uh, and I lived on the sofa for eight months and I used to shower in the, 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 kitchen, the pot wash shower. Because I used to live, breathe, and work. That's all I did. uh, All I did. And um, she said, "Look, we've got this idea. It may work. It may not. But come up for an interview." And I said, "I can't. I can't afford. I can't even afford a train ticket. I can't. I can't. I can't afford it." So she said, "Well, tell me when you can free." And I said, "Well, genuinely, I'm free between two thirty, and I need to be back for six thirty seven for service." So I remember working all the way through the night to get myself prepped up, ready. So then I had that afternoon break, and I remember a Mercedes Benz chauffeur driven Mercedes pulled up outside. And we used to have all these amazing cars, McLarens and F ones, and all my amazing stuff parked outside. And this chauffeur driven car came outside, and I jumped in it, and I'm literally, and there was a there was a not a mobile phone, but you know those phones on a on a cord. Yeah, car say- Yeah, car phone. And I'm saying to about, I said, can I phone my mum? <laughs> and he went yeah yeah of course you can because you know, it was by the side of me so anyway I remember phoning my mum she went where are I asked and I'm going up for this interview I don't know she said oh call me let me know what it's like so anyway I went up there and uh, I walked into this room there's six cameras and, and they're asking me a load of questions and they said right we're going to do this thing i are going to tip out this bag and you've got 20 minutes to cook something off you go and I uh, cook something it's, to me it's a walk in the park I said how many dishes you do you want to do it's 20 minutes to do this, this, easy. I did. I think I did about eight minutes. And uh, they were chatting to me all the same time. They were just asking me loads of questions. And we finished the dish. And she said, um, no, we'd like you to be a part of it. You, you need an agent. So then this is how it all worked. I phoned up my mother, who phoned up my dad. They were separated then. Who phoned up Bill Maynard and Richard Whiteley. Because they used to come for dinner every now and then to our farm way back. 20 years before that and uh richard Whiteley said this is the number of this guy phone him up i phoned him up and he turned around <laughs> and said well what are you doing i went i don't know what i'm doing I don't, no idea <laughs> no idea what i'm doing i'm just a chef because cookery on tv was never really he didn't take it seriously he was a media agent and uh, he turned around and said well I, i'll take you on but i don't think it's for me i, I really anyway the f- first day of ready steady cook I remember walking out and set. that was that was the first day I was there. It'd been running for about, I think they'd been filming for about six months before I started. And then uh, Anthony Royal Thompson said, You need to get this agent. I met up um, with Fiona and, I, and I've been with Fiona ever since. So she was a, specialized in chefs? Yeah, specialized in chefs. She had Mary Berry, myself, Pat Chapman, uh, Anthony Royal Thompson, myself, and I think I was the fifth one on her uh, books. Yeah. Now she's, now she's probably got about 50.
0: I was going to say she's got a few more since then. Yeah. Wow. So and, and that's how it happened. So you carried on at the hotel divan, though.
1: Yeah, I was carried on at the hotel divan, and I, I remember getting a getting a literally the the my first ever paycheck, and I phoned Fiona up and I went, "This is this is this is wrong. This is wrong. <laughs> it's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong." <laughs> <laughs> she went, "So what do you mean it's wrong?" She said, "Well, it, it, it's supposed to be a, a day." And she went, "No, no, it's per show. Well, we used to do three shows in a day." You could have done about ten, <laughs> and I went, "What?" And because you'd been filming for like two months, yeah, you got two months' worth of wage, and and I, I, I went, "I've never had this amount of money in my life," and so I, I, I phoned up my mum and I went, "I'm going to buy a Ferrari." She went, "What do you mean you're going to buy a Ferrari?" I said, "You." You said you need to buy a house. If, if you've got, so, so, so you need to buy somewhere to live. I said I've got somewhere to live. I live above this Chinese I've got a sofa. I live above a chindian. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so I went. I went. I went to the Ferrari dealership. I went for a three five five, and then on my way to the Ferrari dealership, I suddenly realised that I was due to get paid a little bit more. So I bought a three sixty. I nice. Bought a black three sixty Ferrari. a twenty four years old, and I part exchanged my Vauxhall Nova. For I think I got seventy-five quid for it. So Vauxhall Nova to
0: a brand new three hundred and sixty. Well, it was a,
1: it was a, it was, it was a, it was three thousand miles. Right, as they are. Yeah. How much
0: was the insurance? Uh, a stratospheric fortunes. And then I didn't
1: realise that you pay tax on all this money that you earned, so oh, I had yeah. to sell it within about four months. Yeah, there's that, <laughs> there's that old tax thing. But I had it packed outside the Indian restaurant. That's
0: um, so when you, when you said to your mum, when you left, uh, when you were in France and you did all that stuff when you were 12, and then you went to London with 50 quid in your pocket and you're 16, 20, and told your mum, don't worry, I'll be back in a helicopter. Um, you know, obviously there wasn't a plan because...
1: There's never the, the, been a plan.
0: No, never, there's never been a plan, but there was an intent, yeah right? So
1: how did you think it was going to happen? I didn't think it was going to happen any other way than me... Loving what I was doing and being a, I always wanted to be a head chef when I was a young kid. My mum's got an old cine camera footage of me when I was eight years old. My granddad turned around to me. we were at a kitchen table, like in the middle of a farm, and I'm going around on a skateboard, annoying the family. And my grandma turned around and said, "What do you want to do when you get older?" It's an old cine camera footage of it. And my granddad turned around and said, uh, "You want to get a proper job and play some cricket." And that's that's I follow him, be a cricketer. And I said, "I wanted to be I wanted to be a head chef." At thirty, I wanted my own restaurant. At thirty-five, I want a Ferrari. When I'm forty, right?
0: That but you—you you didn't necessarily thing. want to be famous. No, I still don't. You don't want to be famous. No, you still, d- you'd rather not be famous. Still don't. You don't want to be famous. I know. I don't. I don't class myself as
1: famous. No, but I, you are. You're really, really famous. No, I don't class. I no, don't. I know, you might not, but you are. I don't until until I did about three years ago. We did this tour. Yeah. And I'd never – because doing stuff on TV, you don't you don't understand. You do what you do, and I love what I do, but it's still food. Yeah. I still love cooking. – I'm just cook- – I'm doing the best job in the world. I get paid to cook on television. Now, I get paid to cook in the restaurant, but I love what I do, so I'm still cooking. The food to me is so important that whatever I serve you in my restaurant is the same as what it is what I serve you on television. It's, just, it's still got to be as good. So – it's never changed that ethos has never ever changed and and the fame side of it I only I only it was the pinch of my moment when when probably even all the way through strictly I didn't get it and I didn't understand it because I, I didn't understand it until I did my when I turned around and said I'm leaving Saturday Kitchen my mom said you don't got a clue what's about to happen and I went don't be so ridiculous I said, I said it'll be fine boom and I remember speaking to you as well. I did, uh, and then, then straight off the back of that, I got, I got asked to do this tour, this, this theatre tour. And I remember selling, we sold something like 200,000 tickets in, it can't have been any more than a week or two. And I walked out on stage very, very quickly after it. It was only probably three weeks after I left. And the first night was, I think it was 4,000 or something like that. Uh, I was the only chef to sell out the Hammersmith Apollo. The only one. Other people have tried. <laughs> other people have tried. No, I know what you're saying. Other people it have goes tried. Unsaid. A lot of other people have tried. I, I get that. But to walk out there and to, to see that, I was like, holy hell. What the hell's going on? And that was 22 years of doing it. But we all knew, you see, when I say we all
0: knew, we did all know because every time you came on our shows, the reaction from people listening or watching was massive. And because we have people on every day, we see different kinds of reactions. So we, and also the, the audience share for Saturday Kitchen was huge. Yeah. You know, and I, I know that you stayed there for a long, long time and you were uncomfortable there towards the end, but you know, you'll never forget what it did for you because oh, you know, 100%. It was amazing. No, yeah. it was amazing. It was amazing. And we're all here because of everything that's happened before. And you know, and we're, we're exactly where we should be all the time in life. I think. I think that's the way yeah. it is. Um but I went to you know, I worked with you at the NEC, you know, um at uh, what's the big show there? The Good Food Show. The, the Good Food Show. In front of three thousand people, two shows a day. They were screaming at you then. Surely you heard those screams, <laughs> yeah, didn't you, James? Know. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: wait, it's not no, you it's weird. It's that I'm you've known me a long time. A long time. And there's people in this industry that that embrace it and love it and Breathe off it and breed off it, I'm not one of them. You know I'm not. You know, I'm, I'm just not one of those. If I do something, I want to give it one my my main thing is, is I give it 150%. So I leave nothing out there. You know, there's nothing, nothing in the locker. I try and I try my very nothing best. Nothing on the pitch and nothing. I try locker. my best at doing everything I possibly do. It doesn't get any easier the older you get, but you could become a bit more wiser. But I'm not one of these. People. and i get frustrated by people who, who who go out there and then you know do, do use other mediums to 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 sell things and, and and i'm not one of those why does that bother you that other people do that that's just the way yeah they because it. when it comes around and bites you in the backside then they then they moan about it i went, well i told you so all right i see yeah you know, i remember a very very famous very 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 famous hollywood actor and I was in a, I was in a, I was in a certain place. I've been quite fortunate Choose in my life.
0: Write it, write it, write the name down. I promise not to say it. Go on. <laughs> just, just so, just so I know. Just so, so hopefully my reaction can help people. Uh, uh, quite, quite famous. Okay, here we go. James is writing it down now. Oh no! Don't get any more famous than that. Yeah.
1: So, so quite famous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and just I remember destroy uh, that piece of paper. <laughs> exactly. And I remember sat 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 at the uh, at a particular awards thing, which was apparently the greatest awards thing in, the, in ever. <laughs> to me, it's just another bloody awards thing. Um, and him turning around to me and said, uh, "Everybody else was ta- calling me the cook," and he said, "I love food. I love food. I'm fascinated by chefs." And so we got chatting and chatting, and I said, "Well, how do you cope with the the the, the, the fame?" He said, "Just build massive, great gates, and then the noise that you get from those gates when you drive through is bang. That's your private space. Don't allow anybody beyond that private space that you don't know." And I, look, I ever since it's always stuck with me. And so you you kind of when it's you go beyond that gate, it's work mode. When it goes away from those gates, it's not work mode. So it's like the Japanese have these arches that you go through. What talking about my private life? I've walked out of interviews over it. I want I want it. Right. Want it because I just want because you have your that's your that didn't get me. I didn't go into this business to then sell your soul. Yeah. And to do that, where do I have to go? I've got nowhere to go. I can't, you know. If I just put it all out there, mm. you know, there's nothing less for, for for my family, and I value my family every single day. You I do, call my mother every
0: day. And you talk to your, you talk about your mum all the time. You know, you reference her. So you saying, "My mum, I've called her about this, and oh, yeah, I said I'm yeah. going to do this, and yeah. you know." I, and again, without prying. And by the way, I know we've had these conversations that are, are private and between friends. And you're a fantastic, fantastic friend. You know, do do you? Do you seek her approval or do you, do you want it? the helicopter thing, for example? Right? I, want her, I want her to be happy. Right. But do you Sorry. also want to celebrate?
1: I want her to enjoy the benefits of doing what she did for me. She looked after me so much when I was a young kid. Not just as a young kid, but she used to work three, four days, five days a week and send 70% of what she earned down to me in London to keep me down in London. In vouchers, M and S vouchers she used to send me. <laughs> no word of a lie, and, did and they I, sell
0: food then? <laughs> yeah,
1: they did that late at night. That night, like yeah, and I never ever forget it. I never, I will never ever forget it. Yeah. So you know, I remember uh, Robert Kilroy Silk did a, did a he, he, in the days of Hello magazine and OK magazine. They used to do a column every month, and my mum ringed her a, a holiday that she wanted to go on. And when my grandma was alive, and, I, and I, I went to see her grave last week, actually, but she died 21 years ago. She died, but if I could be five percent of what my grandma was, I would be a million times better person. not question. What does that mean? She was the greatest person in the world. But You are a fantastic. Human. She was the greatest person in the world. Yeah. She never had. She was the greatest person in the world. To me, I, to me, she was. She she'd been through so much. Obviously, mm. going through. You know, we're going through a lot. But we're not really going through a lot. There's well, no, some are. There's, some people are. But but there, there's yeah. bombs dropping yeah. on your head. I know. I you can... know. What I mean, uh, I, the I, Second agree. World War yeah. is a, was a uh, this is serious. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But there's also people who have gone through a lot, lot I, I, So you look at look at what they've gone through, and what shining lights you had after all that, and and hadn't technically nothing. When when my grandmother died, she turned around and said, "Make sure, make sure, your mum." gets this holiday with what I've got left in the, in my pension. And when you sell the house and everything else, make sure that that she goes on that holiday. My had, I think it was my granny had about 85 quid. Right. That was it. So she didn't know. No. But then when I made enough money, first thing I did was send my mum on that holiday. Good for you. That's the thing. It's that that you value that you value you value your health, you value the people around you, but you look after the people closest to you without a shadow of a doubt. But you, I mean, you know, you are so good to your mates. You're so loyal, James. <laughs>
0: no, you're so loyal. Well, you're, why not? No, why? I know, I know. I'm just telling you so you know. That's all. But well, I, 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 you're so supportive.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. I t- I always, always have been, you know, I always have. If you, anybody's, you know, anybody that I know, that anybody's in any hard times, you you call me, I'm there. Solid. Absolutely. You are a very solid human being. Um,
0: I tell a lot of people this story a lot, but I think I get it wrong. It's not the one about my anniversary, right? <laughs> 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 Which we could get into, but people have heard it before, but it's a fucking great story <laughs> and it's testament to what i've just been saying about you um, but but it's about colors and saturday kitchen oh, yeah, yeah, right because yeah. i i tell people this story and i think i think I've, the more i tell it the less i believe it not 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 that i don't believe that it's true but that but i believe you ever i think i've made it up about mm-hmm. a colorist was watching there isn't a science of color yes and um, somebody was watching your show one day, and they phoned you up and they said, "Can I
1: colour colour you?" Or what did they say? What is the story? Can you can they uh, colour match you? Colour match you. So they 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 phoned up out the blue, and there's several things you get out in of the office. You get you get a lot of abuse, but you get some good stuff as well. Uh, and and back then, when I was a young kid, you know, you used to get lot of fan mail. Now you don't get anything. Uh, but, <laughs> you used to have a group called the Martini's, which is a great one. You used to have to wait every year for the Martini calendar. There was a group of ladies that would actually go and pick, take photographs of themselves in various positions around their kitchen with little cakes. Excellent. Yeah. As, as, the, decade, <laughs> as, the, as the decades have gone further, the cakes have got bigger and further down. <laughs> <laughs> Your, 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 your black forest gutter's got a lot bigger, yeah, <laughs> and a bit grayer. Yeah, it's, it's just covering bits up, but they were strategically placed but anyway. So at the same time, of getting bits and pieces. Think we're going to need a bigger cake. Exactly. I got this. I got this amazing letter from this lady, and she was fantastic. and And she said she'd worked with other people before, but she said I've noticed what you wear on television, and 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 I'm pretty sure. Now that you can tell spikes, and you know I mean I was oblivious viewing to viewing spikes this. This. yes, I was oblivious to all this, so he said let me let me put some things down on a piece of paper, and can you just check over the last twelve twelve to fourteen weeks tell me what the viewing figures have done, as in whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong, not tell me exact, and every single one we had a spike or a dip. It was it was three, four hundred thousand, but it was certainly a spike or a dip. It was just and people equated that to different things, whatever it was. And she went, It's the colour of your shirts. It's what you're wearing. It's the first thing people see before they even see you. Before people have made a judgment on you before you even open your mouth. I'm gonna colour char you. So she came to the house and she had all these different matches of colours and tried tons of shirts going. No, no, no. I quite like that one. No. That's not good. that purple, <laughs> you're okay with that purple, but not that purple. And then they give you this book. And the book is, this is the bit to wear, flip it over, this is the bit not to wear. And since then, the viewing figures went up. We, we'd gone from, we were around the 1.6, 1.7 million, but its peak, it went after that. i got to equate it to that, mainly, but we got to 3.5 million viewers. And so, so, what were you? What were you, what were your colours? What was
0: your swatch? What was the uh, good swatch? What was the uh, bad blue, swatch?
1: Blue. Uh, what kind of blue? Certain greens. It was royal blues, um, light blues, uh, not too light of blues because it's, it's a you sweat patches. Um, uh, deep purples. Uh, no, no stripes because you're the size because uh, I'm six foot one he said the trouble is if you go vertically the stripes make you look even taller you look weird and if you go horizontally you look really odd you look massive yeah. um, so don't wear stripes don't wear checks don't wear any of that it's not because of it, just don't wear it anywhere in general anywhere so um, yeah she went through it all and is it, it's not the same for everyone different no, colours for no, different different, different colours for everybody so what about the, so that, that's the stripes I get the stripes I get the diamonds that's with you and your eye match and your hair match and, and noticing it on colour on, on camera it's, there's a big big difference and people don't and I'm the first just to go into the cub and chuck a shirt on and, yeah. and go on TV don't, don't really bother me but I said, wear blacks wear certain things blacks is a strong colour for you but don't wear it too often because then people switch off but you know uh, wear a mixture of white and black if you're going to do it so wear, wear a Black waistcoat. If you're wearing a waistcoat, don't go for the double one. Go for the single one because the height exaggerates your height even more. That's absolutely fascinating. <laughs> it is quite.
0: It is fascinating. <laughs> but you know, ever since the story, because I've gone into it a little bit, not yeah, just for
1: clothes and things.
0: So I, I wear with you. i mean, I'm, we're very good friends. So it doesn't matter what I wear. But on the radio show now, depending on who I've got in, I'll always consider what I'm going to yeah, wear yeah. because because it's a different energy when they walk in. And for me, it's usually greens and oranges. Yeah. You know, and the, I can see that they they just they're just different. I mean, how would I know unless I had a controlled version of them before people who have, people have never,
1: met, never met you before have an assumption of you but yeah. until you actually see you in person mm. that's when they judge you yeah yeah and even before you open your mouth so I yeah, yeah. say between 70% 50 and 70% of, of judgment is done there and then yeah yeah Straight away,
0: even before you said anything, straight off the bat, and because obviously I've seen you since we've had that conversation in the studio many times, and at your house here, which is not here, but where, around the corner and um, and it's funny because you just do throw a shirt on, and it doesn't really matter what kind of shirt it is because the colour's nailed, yeah. So the pressure's off. People sort of don't get that. You give give me that one, I go, why is he so confident? Because it's the right colour. It's the most (laughs) important thing. Simple as that. It's it's been checked. So you talked about um, Keith (laughs) Floyd, and you talked about the lady, and you talked about um, Lloyd Grossman sitting at the end of the bar that night and um, having a beer, right? Yeah. But then famously, you know, when I began to know you really, well, you didn't drink at all. No. Did you? No. Uh, how long you was- made me <laughs> <laughs> blame the ginger no, kid you made as me. always yeah god uh
1: when
0: did that when did you stop drinking and for how long
1: i'd never drunk to be honest with you chris i'd never really drunk i was never a. I was never a, a, a go out you know when we were at college i never used to go out and get uh, blathered at college and i was never that i was working you yeah. know i used to you know i finished college when i finished college on the friday i was at. Anthony Well Thompson's on the Sunday night. I was working on the Monday. I didn't have a a month off, six months off, and that kind of... I never never really went out anyway. Uh, I just loved... I just worked. That's what I did. I worked to earn some pocket money to be able to afford the things that I couldn't get otherwise. You know, if I wanted a car when I was at college, I had to work for it and earn it. Um, That's the only way to do it was then work in a restaurant or work pot washing and work, that kind of stuff. So I never... I was never really into going out and partying. And it's kind of weird. Even now, I I don't feel comfortable going out to a party. I don't feel comfortable going out to a restaurant. But you don't you ha- you really enjoy wine now, don't you? I enjoy wine. Yeah, I enjoy the good and the bad wine and stuff like that. But I enjoy and a whiskey and a brandy and I I like that and I, yeah. But I I kind of I don't yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't go there and just literally all night. I remember the longest was probably when when I came around to your place a couple of years back and and we sat outside with that nice bottle of wine and we opened another one and that was probably the longest that's the you know most I've drunk for a long while but but sat there that's the that's the most enjoyment I've had out of a out of a bottle of wine for a long long time did that coincide you being more relaxed about that with leaving the bbc um no i just got to a stage where it was just everything was just getting on top of me everything was just there was just so much going on you know i was and it's kind of you know as you know you people they build you up to be something you actually don't really want to be if that makes sense. There's a lot of people in this job that aspire to be famous. And and there's a lot of people who do it and want to be famous. There's a lot of people go out there and 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 do this and and you know, the big I am. I mean, you know, when you do car fest, where am I? I'm either under a car or hiding around the back. I'm very rarely will want to walk out and I'm not that I'm not that type of person. It's so funny that, you know. But I, I'm not that type of person where there's the other ones. Come on, give me the mic. I'm up here dancing. I'm, I'm getting off stage left. I'm out of here. So, but that's always been me. I've always been the quiet one at school. I've always been the, the one in the corner. But I, I, I have a drink now because I, I enjoy it. Yep. And I enjoy people's company. And I'm much more, I'm grown up and I can understand the conversation. And have a conversation with somebody.
0: I mean, you say you're the first to, to you're either under a car or or you're you know hiding around the back, but you did form a rock band well, last did, year. And you did like, headline you, it, you, you call, did headline our festival. Chris,
1: you call it a rock band. <laughs> is that I, I learned to play the guitar because I wanted another string to my bow, literally. So six, I decided. Six more strings to your band. And then then the guy then the, the guy who I play with said, look, it'd be a good idea. Why don't you join a band and join it with us? And then I stupidly told you on the radio, and then within Half an hour, very similar to the pastry chef story. <laughs> I've now gone from a from a from a teenage kid to a pastry chef, and I've gone from a, a guy learning to play the guitar with his guitar instructor in his living room to now been told I've got a headline car fest with uh, after what was I after Jules Holland and before the Kaiser Chiefs. Going, yeah, 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 that's great. Thanks for that. But it's the same thing applies. I mean, I, you don't know how much work I put into that. You will have what? no idea. I have out. an
0: idea because you nailed it, and you couldn't play the guitar. I was before. doing
1: five hours a day, every day, including my work. I was literally five hours a day. It was give me every... shelter, wasn't it? Played Give Me Shelter, played the Beatles um, as well. But now, now we yeah. Now, now, now what? Now, 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 there's big, big news about. We've had, I, we've you not had a band update for a no, while. No, i I'll I'll I'll, 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 I'll tell you. No, not yet. <laughs> there's big news happening. Write it down. Write it down. Put it with that other
0: name. Okay. (laughs) Let's let's have a look. Hang on a second. By the way, the other piece of paper is scrunched up and he put it in his bag. Let's have a look. This is good. What? (laughs) (laughs) What? What have you done that for? I don't know. <laughs> Silly idea. No, no, exactly. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. How how many how many of those might happen? Forty two. Exactly forty two. Yeah, exactly. Wow, that is that
1: is mental. Yeah.
0: Um, can, you tell, can you tell
1: me? Yeah. About? So thanks for that. Cheers. You are. So. <laughs> um, you don't know I've
0: got mine for your next. to be honest. So, uh, so, shooting. Tell me about shooting, right? Because I've, I've never gone into shooting. I've been a couple of times. I've been with you, right? And I, you love it, don't you?
1: I don't... I don't there's, 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 there's two ways you look at it. I see it as the purest form of gathering food. Hmm. So, if you look at it like that, and as a chef... There's, there's, there's two ways you look at shooting. I I don't agree with you just going out and just doing a corporate thing and just shooting anything and just wandering home and going back in the helicopter yeah. and going on. It's not what I'm into. So anything that I shoot, I bring back and I cook in the restaurant. We 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 have it in the restaurant. I have it at home. That's that's the ethos of it. When I was a young kid, we were farmers. I was brought up on a pig farm and and you know that was the avenue that I could have gone. I could have done a farming or, or, or been a chef. But when you're a young kid, you value the art you value food a lot more when you work on a farm because you learn to respect it a lot more. I, that's why we built the veg garden at the back of the restaurant. I say to the yes, until you realize how difficult it is to produce that carrot, you'll learn to respect it a lot, lot more once you understand how difficult it is to produce. A good that, carrot. Any carrot. Any mate, carrot. Anything that's put on your table, be it in a supermarket bag or whatever it is, you learn how to respect that food a lot more, and it's only till stuff is taken away from you, like what has just happened, and then everybody's panicking, can't find any eggs, can't do this, I can't do this, I can't cook, I can't buy this. Well, have a little bit of respect for the people who produce the food, first of all, not chefs. This is before that. So, so, been been a farmer, you 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 then, and particularly pig farming, it's uh, there's a there's an element of control with nature. It's it's vermin control. It's it's everything because you know piglets can get eaten, and it's it's you. You quickly learn nature from a young age. You've only got to look at the this this Yorkshire vet to understand. These kids know all about that. They're walking around with a lamb in their hand, is it, pulling a lamb out of a backside of an age three years old. That's that is what I was. That's that's the reality. That's that, fantastic. No, but that's reality. And, that's, and it's fantastic. That's normality yeah. and it's reality. That is what happens. Yeah. And be it whether you're producing veg or whatever it is. So, so when I was working on on the farm, we used to have a, a gamekeeper local to us, and I used to beat on these shoots. And I often wondered what was going on at the other, the bottom of the hill, because you'd be walking along with a stick going, "I, I, 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 and you, you didn't realise what was going. Bang, bang, bang! And you get in your truck and go on. Why that. are they shooting at us? <laughs> you, got, you, got, you got ten quid, uh, and then there was a gamekeeper in the village that used to send me off these things. A guy called Alf. And Alf used to have a, a dog called Jet. It was a it was a, a black labrador and it was so obedient. And when he used to go to work, he used to go to work in his tractor or his, his four by four, the dog used to sit there. No lead, nothing. And it used to sit there, then turn on its heels and go back into its kennel. And then the minute Alf came on from work and you could see the the car coming at the village, the dog would come up, sit, do nothing. It wouldn't go up to him, it wouldn't do anything, just sit waiting for him. And then Alf would just go. And it would come walking over and he would always walk it, would always walk to his left, never without never with a lead. It was the, the the companionship was something that I've The mutual respect. Oh, it's it's incredible. When you see a well-trained dog, it's it's incredible. And it's not through feed as well. So when I got the opportunity five years ago to to go invited to one of these shoots and to see what was going on at the top of this hill, I I, I was more fascinated about the dogs that were picking up behind us, and there was this guy. And he was training. Anyway, we, we, we stopped for lunch, and there's these dogs in there about two fields away. There's three of them just sat there. And I said, that Somebody's left their dogs out there. No, 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 they'll be Jason's. Don't worry about that. I said, Yeah, but they're, they're, they're about half a mile away. He went, No, no, no they'll be Jason's. It's fine. I said, Well, where's Jason? He said, Well, he's here having something to eat with you lot. And the dogs have just sat there doing nothing in this field apart from just looking directly at us. And he said, Yeah, yeah, that's our dogs. He said, I'll, I'll I'll I'll, I'll show you so anyway literally he called one over and it jumped over two hedges straight to him over to his left then he called the other one over straight to his left then called the other one over so I said I'd love one of them he said you can do what do you want do you want a Labrador Do do you want a Spaniel I said well I'd love a Spaniel I said well I've got two Spaniels coming to me next week I'll bring them over to you you can pick one as a little pup and then with that I had my dog called Cooper who it is just amazing, just absolutely amazing. I spent the last five years with Jason training him, and and we go, we, whether it go for walking or, and I just love just training. We've got this dummy launcher which fires out this blank cartridge, launches loiter. It, it represents game, and when a dog goes to retrieve game, yeah, it doesn't yeah. go. It's it's not from the scent. It's from the scent of the gunpowder, not not the bird. So when a when a they call it. When a when a partridge or a pheasant's been pricked, they call it has it's been it's just been hit. It can't fly, but they want to get it. Before, still, need to let let it walk into the woods, and so they they'll they'll send the dogs in, get that one, and it won't affect the other ones that are still still wandering around. So it'll just go for that one, bring it to you. But it just the amazing things with wild fowl. It'll bring me a, a duck through the river. And it'll, you'll pick hold of it, and then you say, "Go away and shake." It'll literally, go away about eight, ten feet. Shake and come back around to your left and so. So
0: there's of you. so much more
1: to it because that's what, ah, that's the bit I didn't get. Because
0: because I because I got I've been invited a couple of times once with you, and I just I just I just don't understand this. But because I was so
1: so on the periphery of it, it's just, it, it, I was
0: literally going along to do the shooting bit, and I just didn't understand it.
1: Yeah, it it well it supports so much so much in where I where I'm from in the middle of nowhere, and you are really in the middle of nowhere. There's no factories, there's no shops, there's nothing. That is that is the income for families of generations and generations. Yeah. That's... I'm not against it. I just didn't get it.
0: No, I kind of No, not as not as not as a not as a philosophy. Just I thought, why why is this why is this exciting? Do you know what I mean?
1: I don't I, I see it as the pure form of getting something to eat. That's a, your dog, your the reason why you have different spaniels is they were bred to do different things. Yeah. A spaniel was was bred to go and retrieve your food. A retriever was retrieving, yeah. retrieving, getting your food. That's yeah. what it was designed to do. So you have certain breeds of dogs which are flushing spaniels, certain breeds of dogs that are retrieving, um, and that's what they were bred to do. And I love the history side of it. I like all. all yeah, all that I know that. You, you're, really in, you're really into
0: it. But I didn't realise that you had that beating history as a kid. Yeah, yeah. As a
1: young kid, I always you wondered what a was lot going on this
0: in your life. These arcs.
1: Don't yeah, you? going back. You know, I think to go forward, you've got to go back. But that was certainly one of the things. And and Jet the dog. With, with uh, Alf, the gamekeeper, yeah. Is so that something you're going to carry on? Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, and, and Cooper comes to the restaurant. Literally, oh, so uh, the, the customers love it because all the dogs are on leads and yapping around everywhere. My dog just sits there. It will not move. So you've got one. Literally will not move. <laughs> so cool. And then when I want to finish work, I'll just literally tap my shirt. It will come around to my left-hand side. He won't ever walk past, past you. When you stop, he stops. And when you just hold your hand out like that, he'll sit. So you won't he won't run away until you tell him. And physically, you got you got to tell him to eat. I've got this amazing video. I'll I'll try and find it for you. But but this where he's training these dogs, and my dog's one of them, and he's training it to eat. And um he'll only tell you they'll only eat until he tells them. It's it's absolutely fantastic video, but I've got it. Yeah. Okay. Right, really. So just just so people know, listening to this, this is there's a group of dogs here. There's uh, there's six of them. Uh, and they're all lined up, and the oldest one is called Drake. He eats first, and then my dog's the youngest one. He eats last. But all the dog food is in front of them, and he does this. Drake. Wow. Blitz. Bertie. Cooper. which it.
0: Right, he's got to get around that house. <laughs> he's, <laughs> got
1: to, got he's got, got to sort out. the twins
0: out. <laughs> Seriously, don't show that to Tash. <laughs> Break her heart. Two years she's been on those two. Five dogs there in the farmyard. Unbelievable. That's the way forward, isn't it? Right, we've got to talk about cars.
1: Um, <laughs> I knew it wouldn't take long before a car's coming in. Well, I know that everything, you know... and I, You should have bought that car that I told you to buy. Do you remember that phone call? Oh, which one was it? The 250 short, short wheelbase. Oh, yeah, of course I do, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, should have done many things, mate. Should have, could have. <laughs> general hindsight, never won a war. Anyway, Um, but, but you know, again, knowing you really well, I make no apologies for that for anybody listening. Um, Everything James has is lovely, and you, you have got some lovely stuff, and you really look after it, and you've really earned it. But it is just a byproduct of, of what you do and what you do is the most important thing, yeah. and I like that. And that doesn't mean you don't care about anything you've got. You do care immensely about everything that you've got, um, much more than I, I do you know, or have done in the past at least anyway. Hopefully things are changing now. Um, but, you know, all, of, of all the doors, what you do, your, your profile, of all the doors that that may have opened and of all the all the contacts you've made, apart from, you know, being able to send your mum on a holiday and, you know, got you've got a lovely house, you haven't got a mortgage anymore this kind of stuff, uh, it, you know, bagging the, some of the best cars in the world must be, must be up there, mustn't it? Yeah,
1: it's pretty cool. It's yeah. pretty cool to be able to to work in a hotel when you were a young kid and I when I worked here at Chewton Glen, when I worked at the Hotel the Van, we used to get a lot of people coming in in beautiful cars and to be stood there going one day, one day, one day. To to get the opportunity to to be in a position to even to even go into a showroom, Chris. You know, yeah. it's a very special thing. You know, I remember that Cannon and Ball did that um, was an amazing interview that they did and they were saying that they didn't have any money and then they walked into the London showroom and bought one each. <laughs> and it's not a it's not a material thing. It's it's it's. It, people say it's material. It's not. It's they a, don't get it, do they? They don't get it. They don't get it's it. something that you've worked for. And 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 my thing was having been at, I'm well, certainly at the Hotel de where where people used to park their car outside the the bin area of the of the Hotel de Van because that was the safest place. Because that's where all the chefs were sat. Um, and we used to have some amazing cars sat there. And I think in one day, one day, one day. To be able to have the opportunity to 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 get one is amazing, and to drive it is amazing, and to to cherish it and look after it for the next generation, you know, and to the next nutter that comes along to yeah. decide to be able to buy it, and you know, it's it's one of those things, and, and and I'm sure classics won't be the same in thirty years' time, which they are now, because now it's all about hybrid and all that kind of stuff. So what is a classic of today? It's probably the latest new new fancy car, but it's not really. I'm not into that sort of stuff. I'm, they're not. They're not really handmade. Many of them anymore. No, they they don't have they don't have human in them. They don't. Yeah, they they there's there's a there's a there's a heartbeat. There's a there's a soul. There's a there's, it's a weird thing. You you can you can start one up and it doesn't. It'll work, and then another one doesn't work. this you've got each routine. <coughs> each car's got its own little routine. Yeah, and. Um, I just fell in love with it, and and you know the collections morphed like you you have it's 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 changed. I remember the white collection that you had, and it it changes and it adapts together with what you think. Yeah, and then you suddenly realise actually I don't want to go down that route again. I'm gonna I'm gonna go down this route, and and I've gone down the dirty route, the the rally sort of stuff, which I absolutely love. Have you got as many as J.K. yet? <clears throat> um, he's got quite a few. <laughs> he's got a, he's got an issue. <laughs> he's got <quite laughs> he's got an <laughs> issue. He's still he's still getting quite a few as well. He's got quite a lot, yeah. He's got. quite... <laughs> again he tries to sell some. I know he's selling a few. He but tries he, to sell some. He sat "No, he sold. He sold four last month. Yeah, he I think he bought four. eleven. Yeah, of course." <laughs>
0: JK, J.K., the maths
1: are still out, mate. <laughs> I've never been around to his, his place. Oh, yeah, it's pretty. It's is it pretty ridiculous? Good. It is cool because you think it, it looks like a car showroom and then you go around and there's a hangar. Uh, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah there's a, I thought you were heading for a hangar at one point. I was close to a hangar. I probably still am close to a hangar. I'm, I'm, well, I'm, not, I'm not far behind him in numbers, but quality is a bit different.
0: But, yeah. Uh. Well, there's still time for that.
1: So um, there are warriors
0: <coughs> and there are warriors. Right, And I think the only thing that separates, well, one of the things that separates a warrior from a warrior is fear. And as a warrior, if you can overcome your fear, you can become a warrior. Which are
1: you? Warrior, because I had a fear of failure when I was a young kid. I don't have that fear anymore. And and that's not through, uh, success isn't through financial at all and anybody that says it is, is totally wrong. Success is what's in your head and it's what's in your heart. It's what you... My most successful time was when I left this hotel and went to work at the Hotel of Urban. That was my my most... If you look at my career, that was the moment. The accumulation of everything that I'd done, even though that was half my age, everything that I've done accumulated in that moment. That was a make-or-break moment. That was either you were going to nail this or it's gonna be a disaster. But I had no fear. From that moment? None. And have you never had any fear <clears throat> None. Because everything that I'd done before then was based on fear and, and 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 learning to get you in a situation where it's now on your own. Now it's your own ability. The only thing that's the only way you're gonna mess this up is you. And and all the work and all the hours and all the twenty hours a day that you've been putting in, 120 hours, 115 hours a week. All before then, for years and years and years, you putting a chef jacket on when you were eight years old. All that comes to that day. So, no fear, <clears> none. none. I knew I could do it. None, right? I just needed the opportunity.
0: And so. do you have any? You know, say
1: you're tired
0: one day, or I don't know, whatever. We all get. I, I no. get these moments. And do you, do you ever think you, you it might you might not have enough to be, security? Do you, not if once. you fear? No, not
1: once, because I've had nothing, Chris. Nothing. But you don't want to go back to nothing. No, my mum's got a house. I bought her a house. My mum's got a car. She's got a car. She's got a nice place to live. That's fine. If I'm living in a tent, that's also Doesn't fine. Doesn't bother you. Doesn't bother me the slightest. Because give me another shot, I'll do it again. So it's it's kind of, <clears throat> you know, when I, uh, it sounds daft, but when you, when I had nothing and when I was working in London and I had nothing, generally nothing, and, um, when your mum's sending you down vouchers for a supermarket to, for somewhere to eat, and that was... I had proper now, and I, had, I was in debt to the hill. Everything now is a bonus. I'm never really going to have nothing, am I?
0: Elton John says that. It's a good answer, actually. It's a great answer, because somebody said to Elton John once, they said, you know, what if the hit strike up tomorrow? I said, well, they're not going to. And they said, no, but what if they did? Well, they're not going to, are they? I'm Elton John. I know how to write a song. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to not know that tomorrow. Yeah. It was a great, not
1: dissimilar. But even when it does, people will still come and watch and still come and listen. And I think if it all went belly up tomorrow and I, and I took on a little chef somewhere, mm. I think still people would well, come Well, you did eat. for a while, didn't you? I don't know, <laughs> you I, took on I, a lot of little chefs, I, I, didn't I you? Think, I, think, I think people will still come and eat.
0: You know what I mean? But you've always been good with your money. You you you're quite canny with you're not tight at all you know you're, you, you <laughs> see, I don't think and I don't know because we've never really had the conversation maybe this is not the place to have it but um, you, you don't seem to have made any bad is there, is there any rough
1: with the smooth yeah I think I think I've made bad choices and bad decisions and bad um, I got in with the wrong crowd and and that's that's the nature of this business you know this business um, my mum calls it flies around it's a bit like you know it, it's it's a bit like that you you you've got to learn and this is this is where i do learn where i'm very protective and very you know some people say well you're quite standoffish i'm not i just text me a while to figure people out
0: you are like that and i'm quite
1: surprised that you said text, you got with the wrong crowd yeah. because you, you you can smell a badden from 100 miles and ahead. i didn't and i've done i've done that i've done that twice in my life and and one recently and and uh yeah, you, you you kind of think, Phew, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. But then hindsight's another thing. But yeah. then I'm of the opinion you just go, do you know what? Life's too short. Let's, let's let's focus on what you're doing, and make don't make that mistake again.
0: So and so so okay, that's how you
1: cope with it long term. How do you cope with it short term? You kind of look at it and go, do you know what? Life's too short. And and you know, I've been through a lot of stuff in my life, and 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 people go through a lot of stuff anyway, but. You know, you know, health wise and stuff like that. You go through a lot of sh- lot of stuff, and you just go, Do you know what? I'm still here, still, still battling, still going on. Doesn't matter. What's the most frightened
0: you've been professionally <laughs> ever? Because you must have been frightened, not you know, shaking like a shitting dog.
1: Well, strictly, yeah. That, that's <laughs> strictly, yeah. Strictly, strictly one of them, but but certainly, certainly. I mean, you know when you get when you get told something and it's and it's beyond your control, that's when that's when you realize how much you've got. Right. Do you want to get into that or not? No. When you're told something that is out of your control, okay. You realise how much you have got. Right. Let's not talk about it, right? But let's talk about that
0: that that <laughs> You know what it is. Yeah, I do. Yeah. That pivot. Yeah. So I think you you you, you are like that anyway. You've always been like that. You've always appreciated what you've got. You love yeah. your mum. You're always very nice to people. You always give it 110%. So, if you did receive some news that was beyond your control, how much more can it magnify that because you already are, 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 are mindful of it anyway?
1: It can't, Chris. You just got to, you know what I mean? You've got to live. I think it's, it's precisely what's going on in the world at the moment. You know, I, I've lost eight people right now through this. You know, people are saying, oh, it's not serious, it's not this. I went, well, I can tell you that I knew a 38 year old person who used to run the marathon and they got ill on the Thursday and they were dead a week on the Friday. So don't tell me this is just for people who are obese and people diabetic and people who are old. It's not true. This is not a good thing you want. And if you've got it and you're immune to it, then. That's for you, but there are a lot of other people that are going through a lot of stuff, so I think you know that that puts it in perspective and certainly puts it in perspective um what you have and what what how easy it can be taken away
0: um, and so so did you change the way you lived your life
1: um after that moment? not really I, I kind of i kind of shifted
0: if that makes sense I, I sh- noticed it if you don't mind me saying yeah you seemed a, you seemed a lot
1: light lighter yeah i I became a lot less stressed out you did. It just, yeah. something just left you. Yeah, I think it, that's what it was. It was just, I mean, you knew me. I was always, I was 100 miles an hour, but I was also 100 miles an hour thinking when you were talking to me. I was just always... Your Ooh. eyes we weren't present. Yeah, <laughs> But now I'm much more, I'm much more chilled out. I'm just, I'm I'm, much, I'm a different person. And, and my mates have said, you've said, you're not the first person who said, everybody said, you said you were just a different person to what you were four years ago. So again, growth. I think that, I think accumulation of a lot of things, uh, Happiness, uh, uh, contentness, and that—that's a, a lot of people are not content in life. I've been content, Chris, for for many, many years, and it's only the fact that with this and everything else, I don't want or need anything else. I don't, I don't need anything else. I don't want anything. I've had, I've had the greatest life I've ever had in my entire life, and for somebody who's forty-eight to say that, I've had an amazing time. I value every single thing that anybody's ever done for me. I've people who come to my restaurant people come and watch you at a show or do whatever I still cannot believe it but I love it and and I will continue to love it and continue to try try my very very best so so I'm I'm yeah content for the first time ever in my life ever ever were
0: you content well you're not content as a little kid maybe no. six seven eight no years no
1: because no, you're always wanting things you always you're always I wanted to less BMX so you'd end up working for it and then then all of a sudden they brought out another leading BMX so then you know you you want certain things but content no you never thought that when you were a young kid right so um we'll finish soon so
0: (laughs) the the drive that got you here right yeah so the drive that got you here I know that I smell that I recognize that and
1: this is the deepest conversation we've had in 30 years of knowing each other. So we're it? not drunk. Well, I'm, because no, I'm not drunk.
0: That's <laughs> 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 what happens when I drink water. It's a really, it's a really bad idea. But um, <laughs> it seems to make great podcasts. But anyway,
1: just <laughs> do a drunken one in a bit. But well, actually, we could do one.
0: The second half could be over. Yeah, a Kate Thornton.
1: I've only done two podcasts this one and Kate Thornton. She got absolutely wasted on, right. on gin. All right.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, this is not that. Yeah.
1: Exactly.
0: Um, so, so I know where you were, the initial drive came from. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And 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 then you know somewhere a few years ago, you know, uh, so some alternative adversity struck, and again you grow. You you are oh, James Martin. You know, pain yeah. is growth. That's the way it works. So, so you've sort of there's not, there's not many other lessons left. I mean, we'll we'll get them. Thank God. We'll make mistakes and we'll learn from them. And you know. Experience is wisdom and all that kind of stuff and, and wisdom is wisdom is wonder and that's why we call this wow W O W. That's great. But you still got the drive. Yeah. So where the fuck is it coming from now? Got no idea. What's that about? I've got no idea. What about
1: you just doing it for the sake of it? And no, that's enough? That's enough for me. I, I've got no idea, my, my mate said, Well, why why I had the I had the MD of this place come up to me and said to um, Why, what, why, why are you just doing, why are you done ten weeks straight? I went or why not?
0: But you know what he means. It's a good
1: question. Well, I think he was about to get a bill. That's why he's worried about. <laughs> oh, no, he's worried about. It. It's an even better question. I said, don't though. worry about that. He's worried about his job, not yours. <laughs>
0: don't worry about that. Can you but... do a few hours less? Because it's making us all look terrible.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love it. You know, I, I love, I love it. Is, I that, love... is this a new kind of freedom? Because yes, because you... this is, this is. You know, mo- mo- you spend your entire life in doing this job and this is this is the realist realistic thing as a young chef you spend your entire life wanting to be a head chef in your own restaurant yeah then you're taken out of that restaurant to pursue other bits and pieces because you're told otherwise and you're told this is and don't get me wrong it's been an amazing journey but you kind of lose the focus of where you were originally what yeah. got you there yeah, yeah so having a thing like this happen where you can't do restaurant then you diversify and you go into other things and I've thrown so much attention to this my website and stuff like that. I've been doing this shop to help out individual suppliers. That's the big thing that I'm in, that I'm doing at the moment. You just throw yourself into it. And I've fallen in love with food because I've seen I've reconnected back with the suppliers all the way back to the restaurant. So and helping out helping out Anybody that wants to be involved in it, you know. So we've got a, a guy who makes these little chopping boards. Great little story. We have got, because I'd set up this web shop purely the fact that every time I promoted a company, or not really a company, every time I promoted something, uh, be it on social media or I said, look, this, buy this fish from this guy, yeah. their website would collapse. And we did that like eight weeks running on when everybody was in lockdown. It was just a disaster. They were kicking off and it was usually on a weekend and they couldn't get the websites fixed. So they were all moaning. So I said, right, how can we stop this? And so this is where my team turned around and said, well, you're getting 5 million hits a week on your website. Why don't you set up your own shop? And I said, well, I don't really want to do it because it's it's helping them. I said, well, we can design it and when it just goes straight to them. Brilliant. But it can handle the volume of traffic. Brilliant. So we, we spent, and it started off as five products, and it turned up to about 500 products. We launched it last week. We've had 3,200 orders in the first four days. We've had a wonderful, wonderful little chap, a wonderful chap up in uh, up north, and he makes these chopping boards. Beautiful, beautiful chopping boards, but one off. And I asked him, I said, look, I'd love to have you part of the website. He said, well, I don't do that online sort of stuff. He usually goes to these markets, and, but it's amazing stuff. He said, "No." no, I said, "Look, I really want you to do these chopping boards because you know you'll. I think they'll do really, really well." So I said, "How many? How many can you do?" So the gear. Bear in mind, they we're selling six hundred of this and a thousand this. He says, well, I could do plenty uh, if I gear myself up for it. I could do. I could probably do three. I said, three three <laughs> th- three What was it? Three a week?" He said, "No, three a month. Three a month." I went, brilliant, brilliant. Just do three a month because he's you know that's but that's what you can do. That's what he does. That's what he does. Wow. He should live in. He should be Japanese. You just saw that first one yesterday. He's wow. ecstatic. Already, the, he's been on to the customer who's bought it literally all... What um, are they like? They're just these chopping boards, but he'll do them sort they're of... Not six, they're not fancy-schmancy, though. No, they're six-foot chopping boards. Big, big, solid, wow. solid oak chopping boards. That he'll design in whatever shape you want for you, and they're proper big, thick chopping, but they're amazing. So they're like one-off, so you're helping those guys out, and then you've got the fish guy, the, the muscle guy, then we've got... Woman is selling cut flowers, the most amazing floral uh, cut flowers. Uh, so, we've given the, her the opportunity to sell them via the site. We've got, I mean, it just you meet some amazing people. And it's that. So, we've got phase two is about to come in where now chefs want to come on board. And we've got chefs wanting to do their thing because these chefs have got beer, they've got gin, they've got uh, regular right for Christmas. You'll be able to buy a signed book because there isn't going to be any book signs for the next yeah. year. So, I said, well, this is. Place where we'll do our book signing. So I just signed 350 books yesterday before I came here, personally signed. So rather than you just got squiggle, squiggle, no, 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 it's not important. What's important is you spend time, somebody goes online and they'll buy and, and you write, they write you a little note. You sit there and you write that note on that book and you make sure they get it within the next four or five days. That's what's really important. Not squiggle, squiggle, thank you very much, squiggles, and don't even look up. No, write what they want. When you were twenty in London,
0: yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, and you thought, okay, I could go to Tune Glen. This place called Tune Glen, I've never heard of. I might get a job, might not get a job. Right? I'm yeah. in debt. I've still got my Vox Nova. Yeah, it's all a bit shit, but I'm still. I don't give a fuck because I'm having a great time. Yeah. Did you, in your wildest dreams, ever imagine that Mark Knopfler would you would send you a whole backline <laughs> of amplifiers, <laughs> speakers, and guitars? I knew,
1: I knew I would. I knew how... because
0: you knew about Dire Straits then
1: yeah they I were did. happening i did i didn't i didn't realize no because you don't dear. you don't the pinch <laughs> you don't don't be so daft <laughs> <You> <laughs> what was it like what did he send you he sent me a lot of the the, the 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 anyway the, load of, we, the, the whole thing about it, it it came from this tour so i'd met him a few times and i met his son and his son said i'll teach you how to play the rift and i went mate i'm in a nightmare because his son's got this little sherry company and i said look if you can if you can teach me how to play this riff in the car park, I'll plug your, your Sherry thing when I go out on stage at the Good Food Show. Nice. Boom. I said, This is and it, it I mean it's amazing. He it, he's got three different types. One of them's a bit uh, and I said to him, but the other one's fantastic. So I I said, Yeah, it's amazing. And with that, his, his his stand got swamped at the good good food show. And he came running up to me afterwards. He said, Mate, I don't, I don't believe it. My dad wants to say thanks very much. So dad's on the phone. I said, Look, listen." He promised me that he'd uh, so. Next minute, he's teaching me how to play "Money for Nothing" in the back of my car. Who in the car park? He's, he's mine. The, the, the phone. Fire the phone.
0: might not flourish.
1: By the phone. <laughs> so then we do all this sort of stuff, and then he said,
0: what? "Yeah, yeah,
1: that." Because I couldn't get it right, and I still I can do it. anyway. Anyway, that's how it all started. And then, then all of a sudden, I said, "Could you? Could you?" because I learned to play it because we were doing our first tour, this tour that I told you about that sold all these tickets, because then the people who put on the tour said, we need need to something, we need a big ending. I went, oh, what do you mean a big ending? I got. What are you talking about? I said, I'll just go there and cook. He said, no, no, we do, we do something. Do you sing? I went, oh, what? Really, what? I said, you've got to do something. So I, I said, well, I can, I've never played a musical instrument. I think I tried the recorder once when I was about eight, and I was useless at that. So I remember coming out of the restaurant in Manchester, walking over the road. It's a very famous Manchester uh, music shop in Manchester. Walked over the road, and I said, "Look, this is the thing." They all knew me because I've got a restaurant there. I said, "Look, this is the thing." I saw two hundred thousand tickets at this thing. We've got <laughs> we've got about four months before we're about to hit the road. They've just turned around to me and said, "We we've we got to do this big ending." And I said, "Well, what did you have in mind?" I said, "Well, I just watched." Um, Who's the comedian, the brilliant one that gave it all up? Um, uh, the, Seinfeld. No, okay, the English guy that gave it all up. The guy who sweated a lot. What's his name? Peter K. No, Peter. No, the thing one that uh, sweated who? a lot.
0: You say you speak?
1: Lee Evans. Lee Evans. That's Lee Evans. the one. Lee Evans. Lee Evans. Who? Who are you? By Lee, right? <laughs> Lee <laughs> Evans. When he did the did the, the Wembley one, he played the piano, and it is amazing. Nailed it. So he nailed it and sung and played the piano. And I said to him, I said, piano, and he went, How long have you got? I went, Four months. He went. Go upstairs the guitar department, <laughs> and I went upstairs the guitar guitar department. And I usually, like you do in a car showroom, you show you these guitars, and you look at the the red one that's in that case over there, and going, "This is great." He said, "But what's that?" He said, "Well, well, that's that's a that's a that's a that's a cherry red 1960s Fender." I said, "You don't want that?" I said, yeah. yeah what's that? <laughs> that's quite cool that one. that one." So I walked out with it, and then I walked out with it. And and I phoned up. I got I got a pip at my PA. I said, "Look, can you find me a guitar instructor?" So she went online, got a guitar instructor. The guy came first of all, and he was just like this holy grail of guitar. And just all he did for the first hour was talk about this guitar. I went right straight. He's no good. Can of the next one. So I got the next guitar instructor. Came like a proper rock star. You met my yep. the guy that teaches it's me. What you want? Teach me. or proper rock yep. star. He walked in. He went. Yeah, it's proper cool, man. It's cool. And he picked all of it and went, <laughs> <laughs> played something like ACDC. <laughs> I went, wow, Jesus, what have you just done? <laughs> it's amazing. He went, I can teach you that. All right, done. In. Yeah. Right. And he said, I'm not going to do anything because I'm dyslexic. I'm severely dyslexic. So I've never, written, never read a book in my life. And, and so he said, right, I'm not going to teach you anything to do with notes, nothing. It's all touch, feel, listen. And and that's how I did it. And then gradually, and then we did that. And and then he was the one that turned around and said, what song do you like? And I said, well, Money for Nothing. I said, let's learn how to play that. He said, yeah, but we need something. We're missing something. You can't just walk out and play it. It's a bit bit weird. So I said, well, okay, I'll, I'll phone up. I'll see if I can phone up Mark. So I'll phone up Mark. I said, listen, we, we're playing your thing. Um, your thing? Your thing? Your, your, your thing, thing. Mark Knopfler? <laughs> Fucking <laughs> hell. It's saw about a billion albums. Yeah. Oh, I saw that lot. But anyway... Yeah. Playing your thing, and uh, would you would you do hey, a a little? Fuck! W- is he talking about? Would con- you do a little high uh, <laughs> for us? So he said, "Yeah, yeah, I'll do that." So we sent the crew up to his uh, his uh, studio, and he did. Th- so as I walked out, this th- we got Johnny Vegas to do this 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 voice of God with like Star Wars things going in the distance. How man uh, periled to try and find, and he wrecked his fingers by learning to play the guitar, and literally it cuts to Matt Offer on this big screen, and he's doing this. Uh, hi to all the audience. um Apologies for about what you're about to hear, but this guy's been working so hard to be able to you know do this. And I walked out with a bandana on and woof, awesome. One of our
0: mutual friends, Adrian
1: Newey, yes,
0: who we adore. Nice. We adore Same him. Yeah, He's an him yesterday, yeah. awesome human being. He is. He is designed um over a third or two thirds of all cars that have ever won a Formula One race since F1 began. Yeah. Um, and he works for Red Bull, amongst others, of course. Um, You don't own any uh, of the team, Red Bull, but you've probably paid for it, (laughs) haven't you? In in the years, over
1: the years. How many Red Bulls do you think you've drunk in your life? (laughs) You know, when I said I don't drink, you know, I I have an occasional Red Bull. (laughs) And, and it, I have a—it's got round you because they have these ridiculous things called a rider. I didn't know about it, and you get this rider, don't you? And the weird thing is, is you, you spend your entire life, you know, working, and then all of a sudden somebody decides to give you stuff. So, so, so Red Bull. Uh, I, 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 my, my rider—if you, if, if you want such a word—but I don't send one. But people have found out that it is a Dairy Milk and a large can of Red Bull. And that's what it used to be. For breakfast, every Saturday morning for 10 years on the beep, I used to have a 500ml can.
0: Didn't they invent that can just for you? I heard that that was the James martin size can.
1: 500ml of Red Bull. I had a dairy milk (laughs) and blue eye drops. And that was my breakfast. Live to the nation for three and a half million people. Yeah. And then I dropped back. About quarter to twelve, I was dropped off a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> Why does James sometimes look like he's a rabbit
0: caught in the headlights? Well, he might be the Red that Bull. Was, was... <laughs> <laughs> How many does he have? Most of the UK supply. I
1: don't drink tea <laughs> or coffee. You see, I don't drink. You co- don't need to. I don't drink. <laughs> You're half the world supply of Red Bull, you, Chris. It works a beaut. It's fantastic. You still have it? I still do it. Yeah, yeah. I still do it. Not not when I'm working in the restaurant because it just it's all a bit highs and lows all over the place. <laughs> but if I'm filming, if I'm filming at home. We start filming at home next week. I will. That 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 is that is my breakfast. Literally nine o'clock. Boof, can of that, dairy milk, blue eye drops.
0: Bang, I'm on. When you are at the Beeb and you are massive and you are getting a bigger audience share than X Factor, um, and you <laughs> really were, in, often in sixty percent, wasn't it? Which is unheard
1: of. That is something crazy. It was it was
0: over fifty percent on a regular basis, the audience share, which is fucking massive. People who don't know, that is unbelievable. <laughs> if that was on a commercial channel, you could literally n- name your price. You probably have, actually. But I, didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't I was going to say. But, um, but, but then you got to do your own show on ITV, and they've, they've always said that, you know, they'll take as many as you want to give them for as long as you want to, like, forever, for the rest of your life. That's what they're saying. And I, I do believe them and it, it, by the way if it's only half true it's still, an, it's still the best deal I've ever heard and, and you're, you're worth every, every uh, second of screen time but also you make this film he, James makes the show in his house and the, some of the garages that he used to have for, with cars is now the production office and, and where, where the crew eat that is a dream setup, isn't it it's I am, if there's one thing I'm envious of you for <laughs> it's that <laughs> also, you're a miles better driver than me but anyway let's talk about that uh, I think yeah let's talk about that no then. A, no, shut up. That's a great. When are we going to
1: have a race together? When are we going to? We're never going to have a race together. Okay.
0: And because um, can we have a race together? Can't drink as much Red Bull as you before. <laughs> if he gets tested for Red Bull, I'm, win- I'm he's going to be disqualified. <laughs> so let's do that. Oh, We will have one. Bring yeah, bring the doping team in. And so so that is a fantastic, I will drink for a week. Go on. That is a fantastic setup, right? Yeah. I mean, what else might you do? Would you do anything? Have you got yes. anything else? You have got yes. vision? It's a
1: hanger. Yeah, I'm going to build this hangar. Tell I've, us, tell us. Yeah, I've got I've, <coughs> I've got this and I and I nearly did it. Literally, and it's how weird we're speaking now. Yesterday, I was so close to getting it and I, I didn't get it in the end, but it's this hangar. Um and uh, it's a uh, yeah, it be it, like it, an
0: experience that people can go to No, maybe?
1: no, it's literally just a it's a, it's a hangar and um to build my dream is to is to build this and i'll show you it's it's because yeah i I wanted to build it because you've got i i've seen this place and i've been in this place uh and it's proper cool but they've got an office in it and um i wanted to do it where you've got a studio in it so you've got a kitchen in it and i can cook in it for anybody who wants to come uh, parties and bits
0: of pieces. So, uh, what you've been doing secretly, without you knowing it, maybe is a pilot version of this for the last few years, and you know it works. So, let's just do a bigger version. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> put that with the, that name in the back, <laughs> and the other
1: thing. Yeah, to do that. Yeah,
0: that's yeah. very Ralph Lauren. Yeah, isn't it? In fact, that's the same. We, nobody will know. That thing we're talking about clothes, by the way. But yeah. that's. Did you have you seen Ralph Lauren's version of yeah. that? That's that, that, that that's isn't what it? That is. Wow. Is that is that his? Yes. Oh, that's what that's his. That's one of his rooms. One of
1: it. That's the red room.
0: That's the red room and there's the <laughs> green room. There's a the sky blue room. There's, a there's black the room. black
1: room. Black room. <laughs> we know what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, Nobody's know. got a clue. Ha ha. Yeah, Ha-ha. Ha-ha. yeah. Um, that would be my. Have that on miniature, but to to for the yeah. That's that was the ideal. All right. Because I have you read. I mean, I mean, we both both know Steve McQueen. Uh, read a lot about Steve McQueen. Yep. His his most. <sighs> I suppose, when you read it, I don't read that much, but I've done lots of research on him and, and bits and pieces. His most chill-out time, his, his most peaceful time, was when he moved away from that Hollywood set and got that hangar and had all of his bits and pieces in that hangar. Yeah. That was his That was his most chill-out yeah. time. He
0: led the charge. Nick Mason has yeah. the same set. I, I would have that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think you're going to get it. You're gonna, it's going to happen. Maybe not that one, but... So. Got to sell a few more tickets yet, but anyway, fingers crossed. All right. Um <laughs> How to out? How to keep on keeping on? How to keep calm and carry on? How to how to absolutely nail it? If anybody, anybody's listening now, I mean, you know, I what I would always say is, you know, never give up because it could have been the day after, the day after you gave up that whatever you wanted was going to begin to start happening. But I also think that if people like you giving up is it's just not in your DNA, is it?
1: it's it's like a i equate my job to a horse race that goes round and round and it's a steeplechase and there's no left there's no right just keeps going round and round and sometimes you go to flat sometimes we go to steeplechase but you just keep going round and round and round and the more you do it the better at it you get keep turning up yeah and you, the more you do it, the better at it you get. And it's unlike any other job, you know, and I, and I, I wouldn't want to be a sportsman and, and I'm not built to be a sportsman, but I couldn't imagine what it's like having that high and then low and then knowing you can't go back to that moment. With a chef, I feel quite fortunate. We get better at it We get the older we get. Yeah. And I think that's a magical job that I'm in. Yes, you have got the hours, but that's a small price to pay is that you can keep going and keep, Making people happy. All right. And always be nice to your mum. Always be nice to your mum. And always be nice to your mates. Sleep it at that. Yeah. (laughs) If you can have a drink. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Two massive Red Bulls, please.
0: (laughs) Thanks, James. It's a pleasure, mate. Awesome. Did you hear me well up in the middle of that? Did you hear me well up in the middle of that? That was my friend James Martin. He saved my honeymoon. And we didn't even get around to talking about that particular aspect of our relationship. But next time we might, because I think he's going to come on again. This is How To Wow, brought to you with our proud sponsors, M&S Plant Kitchen. And from the M&S Plant Kitchen fridge, how about Plant Kitchen milks? We're talking oats and unsweetened almond and coconut. Woo! Our non-dairy milks are perfect if you're cutting down on dairy. Use them to add a wonderful flavour and creamy texture to your morning porridge bowl or bircham muesli, as well as in tea and coffee. That's M&S Plant Kitchen milks, oat, unsweetened almond and coconut. Thank you, M&S Plant Kitchen. And please do remember to rate and subscribe...